This is Top Landing Gear. Hello and welcome to Top Landing Gear and to the second instalment of our episodes marking the 40th anniversary of the Falklands conflict. In our previous edition we heard from Martin Withers about flying the Vulcan on the Black Buck raids to bomb the runway at Port Stanley. In this episode we're going to hear from the Royal Navy, it was after all very much their war. Specifically a fleet air arm observer on the Wessex 3 which operated off HMS Antrim known as Humphrey. The helicopter, not our guest. He is Chris Parry, whose stories are just jaw-dropping. He fired the first shots of the conflict, but it's the rescue of the SAS from the Fortuna Glacier on South Georgia that was probably more breathtaking. More interestingly, I think I attended his wedding because, dear reader, he married my godfather's daughter. Let's keep it in the family. <laughs> uh, we'll hear from Chris a little bit later, but first, talking of family, Allow me to introduce you to the TLG family, for that's what we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Firstly, we're extremely proud Colleagues. to have a former RAF Wessex pilot mm. on the team whose knowledge of aviation is extensive, to say the least. For that, he's someone we've admired and looked up to for many years. Very much something of a hero figure and an inspiration. In many ways, he's the brother I never really had. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's James Carlin. That's the best one yet. Yeah, yeah. Do you know why? It's because you're doing the quiz and he's trying to carry some favour. Uh, the brother I did have and still have a lovely chap. Um, although something of a disappointment within the family since settling on a career as a manual labourer. Uh, but his heart's in the right place. He's agricultural fencer and quick fact author, my actual brother, Jez Curling. Hello, Rob. Hello, bro. The youngest member of the team is actually the one person out of the four of us who we're least likely to squabble with, a bit like the glamorous uncle that you can't quite work out how he fits in. <laughs> because he's a bit too young to be who he says he is. <laughs> but we're always pleased to see him because he usually has a little something for us. Mm. Uh, he is, of course, pop sensation, lead singer with indie band Scouting for Girls and TLG's leading light. It's Uncle Roy Stride. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Uncle Roy. <laughs> and lastly, the <clears throat> oldest, most senior member of the TLG family... You spelled senile wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm never known to pass a public convenience without popping in, just in case there's not another one within the next 10 minutes. Uh, who can never quite remember your names, how we got here, or why we came in the first place, and what your names are, or how we got here, or why we came in the first place. It is, of course... Um, Ah, oh, oh, you know, Rob, 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 me, Rob, Rob Curling, Jez's brother. Hello, Ron. Love to see you um, all, all again. How have we all been? The sun's been shining. Yes. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, happy family here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've yeah. been doing nothing but watching Eurovision for the last <laughs> God knows how long. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I watched the results. It's it's more choice. interesting than the rest of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, rest of the show. Roy, you've been flying. And I've been flying. You yes. sent us a video, yeah. which we put on uh, Twitter and on the socials. I mean. I wouldn't say it's gone viral, but people have had a slight <laughs> headache watching it. No, it's brilliant. It's absolutely glorious. It was amazing. It was my first lesson in eight months. Uh, for a number of reasons, I was touring, and then it was winter, and I was just about to get into it, and then my instructor went and got married and <sighs> uh, had a honeymoon for several weeks. But, it was, yeah, no, it was, I, uh, I hadn't forgotten as much as I thought I would. Interesting. Uh, it, it was a beautiful day flying over the Sussex coast. We got to do... But that video makes me look like a complete legend, which is the most important thing. So, That's what you think. Yeah. So make sure you uh, go and check that yeah, out on socials. Brilliant. I did put it on Insta. It was an Insta reel. So or I don't know, whatever it's called. It disappeared after 24 hours. I might put it up again. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, I don't know how to put it any other way. So. No, well, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe right. No, it's, on, it's on Twitter. And it's just, I mean, you're up in the, above the clouds. I mean, it's broken clouds. So yeah. you could see through and down onto the coast. I mean, it was beautiful. It was Stunning. it was wonderful, and I think we're off about three thousand foot, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it was it was we it was just straight and level turns going up and down. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's more technical terms. <laughs> I should probably remember that, but it was uh, it, not yeah. that I know of anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm I'm hooked. I've got the next one booked. I'm learning, doing my uh, my law exam that's coming Ooh. up. So it's actually real. I'm, my plan is this summer to get it. Mm. Well, to land it. To land it. Hopefully by myself yeah. Yeah. and then get my licence. So, you're probably yeah, not far off solo now because it was all looking... You, you, were, I mean, you, were, you were quite close to solo beforehand, weren't you? I was. And and then, yeah, so I think we're gonna, the plan is to go back into the circuit mm. in the next lesson. So mm. hopefully, fingers crossed. How many hours have you done? I've done 14 Ooh. over two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's about That's the same it. as James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is how about... Much that, how much that was bunk time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so... Yeah, I, I, you know, it's addictive, isn't it? So yeah. I, I oh, it sounds amazing, yeah. Jimbo. You've you've had some really nice destinations recently, haven't you? I've been around the Caribbean a little bit. Yeah, a uh, bit of the states. Um, yeah, it's been. I've been having quite a nice little. It's it's getting back to close to what it was before. Yeah, I think there are fewer of us working. Fewer, fewer, fewer pilots. Yeah. My, um, my instructor said that he was so busy. Mm. That that's one of the reasons it took so long. As an airline he, pilot. Uh, well, not as an airline oh. pilot, but working for his airline, training uh, other pilots mm. and cabin crew. It's, yeah. it's a massive shortage yeah, there is. of people to fly. So all the airlines the are experiencing massive shortages. I think EasyJet have just said they're going to take out some seats from their aircraft in order to operate with three crew rather than four crew. Because wow. you, you, I think the. What's to take out the co-pilots? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest way. Um, no, if you uh, the the way that certification is done is that you have to have one member of cabin crew per fifty seats. Oh right. And some of the aircraft that easy operate, I believe, are one hundred and sixty-two seats. They works out if they take out twelve seats, they can have three cabin crew rather than four because they're just they cannot get the. I think a lot of it is just processing things like. Um, Airport IDs, and, and it's just taking a long time for all the airlines. Because so, people must be queuing up for those kinds of jobs, aren't they? You would think? Yes and no. I think really? So. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's just, it's just difficult to get everyone processed. Yeah. Uh, and with the massive layoffs that happened to, in the last two years, <coughs> it's trying to get those people back online yeah. again. And that's taking, as, as your instructor is finding out, just taking an awful lot of um, work and, and 
There's another word there. Um, <laughs> uh, to just effort. to get effort. Uh, that's one of them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just to get everyone back up and running again. And it's going yeah. to take a while yet. So uh, as I think I've always stated, this summer is going to be an interesting time. Yeah. If you're going to go flying anywhere, bring a sense of humour. Yeah, you said that before. <laughs> yeah. And the mask thing is still... It, yeah. it depends on the... Dest- you were saying it this in the previous the, podcast. On the, on the destination, yeah. Whether so, you need to wear a mask yeah. on the way over. Mm. It does but seem it, it, it is relaxing more and more every every week. Um, and I did a, a long-haul flight. It was actually the first flight I did for a while where there were no masks at all because the States is now no masks. And it... it you sort of you used to leave, leave, get up to leave the flight like, oh, God, we'll go back and put my mask on. Yeah. And that's just gone now, and it's quite yeah. a nice relief. And I think passengers are a bit happy about it. Sit there <laughs> I wonder about seeing your whole face. Seeing, <laughs> seeing all of me, yeah. rather than just my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, leg, extra legroom on EasyJet, I mean, that's a cracking one, yeah. isn't it? Hmm. But does that mean that, I mean, are, are the, would the aircraft otherwise be full in terms of passenger numbers? At the I end? assume they, so, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, somebody has done a calculation and says, because I think most of their aircraft actually, it's not going to make a lot of difference, and they're not doing it on a lot of the aircraft. Mm. But there are only a few. I think thirty percent of their aircraft are of the hundred and sixty odd seat ones. I had, I, I did a gig in Aberdeen. <laughs> I had the best crew on the EasyJet flight. Really? And I wanted to mention that because I said like a really cheap shot about them being late, which I didn't even mean. I just said, <laughs> it was just a really crap joke in the last one. And I meant to take it out and I didn't. Oh, in and the I, last podcast. In the last podcast. Yes, and I had them, Yeah, and I don't even know why I said it. And so I yeah. had this incredible, well, actually one of the girls was quite rude because she said, no. she she noticed how quickly I'd eaten a large bag of chocolate buttons. <laughs> and she came up to get the rubbish. She goes, have you eaten all of that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> And she goes, but it was a massive bag of buttons. And I was like, I was quite, she was, she was quite, but anyway, the rest of the crew were amazing. So I just want to say, uh, big up easy chat. Oh, <laughs> that's that yeah. lovely. That's it. Well, she must have, uh, did she know who you were? No. 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 Who are you? Yeah. But what, what was. He's the button eater. So you know that. This was, I got the same flight back. So it was a really early flight and I got yeah. exactly the same flight back. <clears throat> in the morning and it was exactly the same crew really and for some reason i was in exactly the same seat <laughs> so <laughs> the woman who called me the button man <laughs> walked down and she she got she saw me and it was like she she'd had some sort of double take she didn't know whether she was dreaming or just had some sort of weird stroke well you are a good looking just... guy maybe she was <laughs> no it wasn't had that. you done a gig that night then, yes, and yeah. come back down yeah and you, yeah. you didn't invite them to the gig no that's just rude no. oh dear that's going to get us a doubt, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, call me fat. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But no, the rest of them, amazing. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, well done. Yeah. You, you may have just about yeah. rescued your, yeah, yourself in terms yeah. of easy jet. <laughs> James, there was one thing, actually, which we talked about, which was these uh, British Airways are bringing in a couple of 757s to f- operate out of Gatwick, which is an aircraft they haven't had on their fleet for years and And they years. still haven't got it on their fleet. Um, it's the... Um, to, to cope with the – they've recently stood up a Gatwick, um, a particular Gatwick company, just to operate short haul out of Gatwick. Which and, is called? Which is called British Airways Euroflyer. Okay. I think. Might have to edit that one in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so while, while they're setting that company up, they're obviously trying to fly as many of the routes as they can, but they don't yet have all the pilots online. We're back to the, the training times and everything. So while they're waiting to get all the crews that they need to – they are uh, chartering in aircraft from uh, a company called. I'll come up with a company in a minute. <laughs> that company has uh, a couple of 757s, which they use for that 
Nothing. So does the company crew it as well? It's not yeah, a British so Airways they, crew. It'll be crewed by the company. Oh, so they, they won't be British Airways pilots, and they'll probably be um, they won't be British Airways cabin crew, but they'll be operating the service. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I rather like the old seven five seven. Yes, it's a lovely aircraft. It's yeah. a fantastic looking aircraft. Of, yeah. of, of the twin jets, yeah, it's quite. It's quite yeah, nice it's more distinctive as well because mm. it just looks a bit different. Mm. Do you think we've entered the Ask James phase, or are we yet to get into Ask James? Well, we haven't found out what Jez has been doing. Yeah. Well, Jez, what have you been doing? Well, <clears throat> fencing, obviously, because <laughs> that's what I always say. I've, I've watched a lot of cricket the last few weeks, my yes. kids. I found myself in the unfortunate position yesterday of having to go to the Guardian Reader's Mecca of Hampstead in North London oh. to watch seven overs of cricket before it was rained off, having slept up on the train. On the train? Th three hours watching cricket my daughter bowled three three overs um one one of which was quite forgettable <laughs> uh, and then the match was abandoned so we came all the way back on the train again uh, and then today at work uh it, it was very much in a sort of a, a nod to extinction rebellion i managed to super glue my hand to the, my <laughs> <laughs> to the diesel engine of one of my own diggers Brilliant. so <laughs> not only could i not operate it no one else could operate it either and i couldn't actually get my hand off the bit of uh, uh, what were you materials. doing? To, yeah, I, I had to, to. I won't become too technical. Uh, I had to uh, to oh, replace. Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> you glued your hand to a tractor. I, if you might have been watching me peeling bits of glue off my hands yeah. while you two guys have been rabbiting on, I uh, I was replacing a, a throttle cable on on the uh, on and, and it's part of it is sealed in a sort of dustproof bag which I had to rip rip apart and glue mm. back together. But mm. it was in a really awkward position, and by the time I'd actually got the glue pretty much everywhere, including over my hands, mm. I then couldn't actually get my hand back out <laughs> of the quite back funny. of the engine. <laughs> so I was just left there wondering how to mm. uh, remove my hand and not rip this thing apart. But the all your skin. All my, all my skin. Did the police come in the end and just <laughs> drag you off somewhere? There was a bit of laughter with some of the other guys in the yard as I was had my sort of hand inserted in the back end of this machine. But uh, eventually, I, a bit of wiggling, and uh, I, I was okay. So, yeah, a couple of days of not the best. Mm. We, we're yeah. on lots of WhatsApp groups, <clears throat> myself yes. and you. Yes. But I don't think I've ever received a WhatsApp directly from you until you just sent me something about an hour ago. Yes. Now, most of the people I know... When they've got their WhatsApp picture, it's them with their wife mm -hmm. or their family, mm -hmm. their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Your picture is you with a tractor. <laughs> yes, it is. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sad indictment of Glad you life, got unstuck and were able to make it. I'm here. here. I thought maybe I'd have to do it from the yard yeah. by Zoom. The two words I was thinking earlier of were resources and titan. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, that was 10 minutes ago. But yeah. ten, ten, ten minutes. Well done. We're all up to date. So we'll all have our usual features, of course. Ask James. Jez's quick fact. Oh, yes. Um, this week, all about the Wessex. And because he's a former Wessex pilot, James has compiled and will be asking the questions in our Top Landing Gear quiz. Oh, you didn't get the email then? What? I couldn't do it. I couldn't find any questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't prepared any. Well, it's going to be a quick quiz, then, isn't it? Yeah, you could just extra, I could always fill out the quick facts a bit if you like. No, 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 no,
that top landing gear is back. Oh, yes, nice. and we went. We the I've got to get this right. <laughs> the number one UK aviation podcast on iTunes in the UK. Yeah, that's number one to me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, to, in anybody, as Spotify. I don't think you can even find us on Spotify, <laughs> but on iTunes they love us. And so, for uh, a few hours at least, we were in. Leisure, yeah. Oh, we gosh. were number twenty. Yeah, like, that's across around. all leisure activities of all the things you could really? do. So, thank you, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you we're two. Yeah, we're two years old. Yeah, yeah, we are two. two. Yeah, 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 we're two well years well old. Well, so, well done, yeah. us. And we've yeah, had lots of lovely comments on Facebook, uh, Instagram, yeah. and everything. Everyone's yeah. saying thank you very much. We have kind of been asking for it, though, haven't we? We did. We're putting a lot of stuff out there. Please, please keep it coming. We're very needy. Pleading for some love. Yeah. <laughs> questions uh, and we've had a couple of brilliant invites to flying which we will yeah. one uh, literally five minutes ago yeah, yeah. yeah which we are going to take you all up on so thank yeah. you so much keep the questions the ideas coming and, and, and the love. definitely the love, yeah. definitely <laughs> the love. there's one, one i've got here an email from one listener who says loving the podcast and my colleagues and i always listen to it especially on the long night shift when it helps take our minds off our work that's some poor air traffic control <laughs> 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 uh, can I just say I nicked that from David Mitchell's The Unbelievable Truth on Radio 4 the other day but I couldn't resist it uh, yeah there we go so Jimbo yeah what questions have, have been flooding in We a few of our own there was a wonderful thing on, on the socials of a of a pilot who I thought was trying to climb out of his 737 mm. but he was through the cockpit window, but mm. he was actually trying to get in. Yes. Did you see that? I did see that. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, if it had been you, it would have been a very different <laughs> would, I'd have been straight in there quickly as anything. He was obviously quite a large chap. Um, <laughs> Extraordinary goings on. So what has happened is um, there is a, certainly on the older ones, um, you can lock the cockpit door from the cockpit, leave it accidentally open, go out, yes. close the cockpit door, and if no one's in there, there is no way... Of getting back into the cockpit. No. What happens if you did that in flight? That's more oh. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's always one pilot. Oh, who's left in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he said it works. Assuming he's conscious. EasyJet are going to have to rethink their... If, they're, if they get rid of that. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. Maybe we're going to get rid of passenger seats instead. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, <laughs> so if you are locked out, the Boeing-approved way is you can open one of the windows, what's called the DV window. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what that means. No. Uh, from the outside, there's a little latch. Yeah. And so you can push that, and they, you can see they set up a little cherry picker. And that would be difficult the, while you're in mid Harder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, depends on how fast you're going, I suppose. <laughs> and how big a cherry picker you have. Yeah, you need a very long and quite a quick cherry picker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yes. they, they, had, they, were, they were either demonstrating or actually trying out for real that procedure where you press the button on the outside of the, of the Window, you can open the window and get in and unlock the cockpit door from the inside. Goodness, how me. big is the window? Slightly less than a big fat pilot. <laughs> <laughs> was he, it he was it a demonstration or did they actually lock themselves out? Well, I think they actually thing. locked themselves wow. out because he yeah. tried to get in feet first. Yeah, uh, first of all, they realised that wasn't going to work, so he then went in head first. Yeah. So, but once you're in there, head mm. first, you're sprawling across all the controls. And well, you aim for the seat. You've got the seat is, is right next to the window. Yeah. So if you go too far, <laughs> yeah, then you're going to be on radios and yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the it. incident report will be exciting. Yeah. I'd like to read that one. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's an approved way to to get into the Boeing 
737, if you... Talking of incident reports, did you ever get to the bottom of the guy who dislocated his shoulder? So what I've understood is that uh, he was reaching around for... uh, I I understand a tech log. So we have a a bit of a big big heavy book that you write all the the problems with the aircraft in. Yeah. And I believe he was turning around, which had been behind him, to get it. He couldn't quite get it, moved his arm, and it went pop. Oh right, loud. okay. Um, so it was as simple as that. It was no, there was no malicious no. intent. And they had to make an emergency landing. Yeah. Well, they, they, you're down to one pilot then, so yeah. it's, it all gets a bit non-standard. So, yeah, yeah. so he mustn't leave the cockpit in that instance. No, and accidentally lock the door. <laughs> no, was that? No, well, I think you can unlock a door with one arm. Extraordinary. <laughs> 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 I'm amazed that your your log of. Uh, your fault log, whatever mm. you call it, yeah. is still a big book. I mean, it's not well, an it has iPad to be, or a, well, yeah, uh, Engineers have to be able to read it, and they can't do oh. electronics. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I love my engineers. <laughs> they keep me safe. Yeah, okay. Oh, well done for finding that out. Yeah. yeah. That, that, the tech log leads on to a question which came to me. Mm-hmm. With your, your iPad, mm. that's called the charts, hasn't it? That has all the charts. That's, yeah. So if that went down yeah. and everybody's iPad went down and there was no power, do you, like, have a... A dusty A to Z in the glove box, like (laughs) I do. You you do a thing called Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Request straight in approach and vectors because we have lost our... uh, No, we have two of them. And so the chances... They are completely independent. They're not powered by the aircraft. They're they're independent iPads. And you you do have a, a way of charging them and everything. So the chance of two of them going down is quite... Really right. quite yeah. slim, and it has been assessed by the the CAA or that the, the, it's an approved thing. But we don't know; we don't carry any paper backup at all. Yeah, there's no paper. Really? No. Okay. Um, and I have been locked out of mine. There was some password issue with it, and I couldn't get in. <laughs> and uh, one, two, three, four. Don't tell them. It was one, two, three, something. I couldn't remember what the last one was. <laughs> so that uh, so if you both locked yourselves out of the thing, yeah, how would you get to and you're Above the, you know. so the thing. Do you mean the cockpit or the in the cockpit? Uh, no, yeah, no. Knocked out of the cockpit you're, you're again. in the cockpit, right, you're in the but you've locked yourself out the iPad. Of the yeah. iPad. So you've got no. Right, right. So if you both yeah. locked out, you'd have no maps. You'd have no maps. No. So how would you get to wherever you're well, going? Well, you'd speak to your traffic, and, and what, what is great is the whole system. Is if you say, look, we have a navigation system failure, yeah. you would probably call it. Well, if you had a radio. myself, <laughs> I've forgotten the password <laughs> to my iPad. Well, so you have a navigation I'd, system failure. Well, if you had a radio failure, <laughs> as well, yeah. Yeah. So we're now kind of piling things up into the impossible. It could yeah. happen. It all mm. could happen. It's not, yeah. it's not unheard of. What would you do? Well, so, so then you. I mean, the, the biggest thing is, you, is at some point, and the, and the kit also has its own database in the aircraft. Right. So if you, what if that? I fails? suppose <laughs> <laughs> this is. Uh, did I ever tell you the story about the, my um, Hawk ejection simulator? Go on. This, no, this, you just neatly sidestep the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's hear that. So I was in a, I was learning to fly the Hawk, and um, we're getting on the thing, and he, and he said, "Okay, you got an engine fire, so you're going to try." And, <laughs> was quite brief. Um, try and put it out. It doesn't go out. Okay, um, do the next drill. Try and that happens. Okay, um, point at an aircraft uh, at, a, at a, the nearest um, airfield and try and land there before that. There's no airfield around. You're stuck. Okay, well, I'm going to prepare myself for an ejection. Okay, then. So pull the handle. It doesn't work. (laughs) So what sort of day am I having? It doesn't work. I don't know. Um, Maybe roll upside down and drop out out and hope it comes out. And then in the debrief, I said, what are the chances of that happening? 
happened to me. <laughs> and all this had happened to this. And this what did he do? Yeah, what he, he, what he did, there's a thing called a manual separation handle, which if the, um, it, normally it's used, if you're in the, you've ejected, so it's not been a good day as it goes. Anyway. <laughs> and at 10,000 uh, 10, feet, your seat is supposed to drop away if you're mm. above that, and it'll happen automatically below, below that. If it doesn't automatically drop away, you pull this, this little handle on the side of the seat that you're sitting in in the sky, yeah. and it fires a little drone, which then drags the seat away from you. He did this in the, in the cockpit of a hawk. It pushed through the canopy, and then it dragged him away from the seat uh, straight out of the aircraft. He had a few cuts and bruises, but he survived. And uh, it was one of those, well, okay, we really are in the realms of it's oh, really wow. not your day. Someone's trying to tell you something at this point. I did talk about someone trying to tell you something. So I was I did a gig last night in Bucks University. What, what did they tell you? Well, it's bizarre. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, apart from that, uh, they the, the security guy was actually a first year student studying civil aviation, mm. and he was a pilot. And so we started talking all about this. I was like, "Oh, I've just started flying again." He goes, "Oh, brilliant! What are you flying?" I say, "C forty two and he just goes, "Oh." <laughs> and I was like, what, what What do you mean? He goes, oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. And I'm like, but I, everyone's told me it's really good. I know, I know it's kind of technically a micro light, but essentially it's like a two-seater Cessna. It's all the same. Yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, come on, come on, tell me what, what, what is this? He goes, my first ever solo was in a C-42. I had an engine failure. <laughs> oh, my geez. first solo. Wow. On, was, solo. on his first ever solo. <laughs> I was, like, I was like, what did you do? He goes, well, I, it was in Northern Ireland. I just landed it in a field, you know. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what he was trying to tell me. Where's your, anyway. next, your solo? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. That was, oh, yeah. That's, a, that's a sharp learning curve. Yeah. Mm. Where we got to in your other story? Though? So the other story, so <clears throat> everything not failing. Everything failing. Yeah. yeah. And um, you, so the... the the aircraft itself has this kit, which you can plug in an airport and it will give you the ILS frequency and it'll automatically tune it for you. So you would just fly to somewhere big with an ILS. Um, you'd squawk an emergency squawk. So even if the radios didn't work, you'd still pumping out a, a signal saying we're having a bad day. What if your transponder's not working? Then everyone would realise that there's some... You'd probably get mm. fighters on your wing at some point, mm. we're now talking about, oh, wow. yeah. and you'd hope the fighters would take you in somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the last resort. You can, actually, there is a... Um, if your transponder isn't working, you can uh, fly triangular patterns in the sky, and then ra radars will pick up. It's a very sharp turn. It's a very <laughs> sharp turn. It's a sort of three very sharp turns. rounded triangular pattern. <laughs> I just worry about your passengers. <laughs> and then, and there's a way of saying right is receiver only, and left is total failure, or something like that. Oh, really? There's always things. And so you then do a left turn pattern yeah. for a while hopefully someone on radar picks yeah. up and they go oh there's someone without um or you could radio. just fly a, a spell out s o s <laughs> only if you were above the chopper pause where you'd give off uh contrails because that wouldn't work at a level would it no but you could track it on oh i on, see it on, on radio, radio, yes, radio on, 24. So, so, and then be somebody watching flight radar would ring up the air yeah. tank, i've seen one saying sos <laughs> but then how would you do the full stops <laughs> god right well, we need to, move on, right. <laughs> Indeed. need to move on need to move on do you want my question uh, yeah. yeah oh yeah go on then oh, yeah asked it 
No, go ahead. No, yeah. I, I just made a series of statements. Um, <laughs> so I was, I, I watched a little uh, Twitter clip or YouTube clip or something of a Singapore Airlines Freight 747, I think, coming to land at Heathrow oh, yes. at the weekend. I did a touch and go. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think. It was quite a, it was, it was down a very up and then a sharp very sharp, up, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, very sharp up and then a, a tight turn to the to the left. And I was just wondering what the sort of protocols were. Ockham. Sorry, it was turning towards Ockham. Oh, okay. Um, was it Heathrow? It was. I wonder what the protocols were for, with a touch and go, you've got no time to, to presumably get any sort of clearance from air traffic control. No, so there was What a, stops you flying into something? How do you know which way to turn? So every single um, approach you do will have a designated go around, uh, okay. which you would brief um, in advance. So if we look, I have my little iPad here, which doesn't ever fail on me. <laughs> um, and if you look at the, um, for example, the, the two seven right at at Heathrow, um, then it will say there, in the event we go around at a thousand feet uh, or one, or say zero miles before the ILS, whichever is later, do a left turn onto one four seven, climbing to two thousand feet, and after six miles, climb to three thousand feet. So, that so every airport brief. has that. Every, every single and depending on which run, every runway. So, so, right. Okay. You obviously can't look at that at the time where you suddenly make a decision no. to go around. So, that, so is that if you've already planned? That's that. been briefed. It's in been the briefed. it's in the nav kit as well. Yeah. So you do your go around. You press climb me out yeah. of here, and the airplane will fly that for you. Is there like there is on Flight Simulator? There was when I used to play it. A button, a go around button that just sets everything up for you. But puts, we ha- we have a thing. The power gets the flat. Yeah, we have a thing. It's called Togo, which is take off, go around. So you press yeah. it when you take off, and in the approach, if you need to discontinue the approach, yeah. you press that, and that gives you the take off thrust to get away from the ground as quickly as you it can. It's very clever because this was actually a touch and go. Yeah, yeah it did so, actually land, and that's and that's about the most. I say dangerous. That's about the most critical one because you don't have a lot of time. Hmm. There was an incident um, with an aircraft in the Middle East where they touched. They then had to go around and the sequence of button pressures that they went through, the aircraft said, well, you've landed. You don't want to do that again now. So it stopped. Is that an Airbus? It was actually a 777. (laughs) Really? Would you believe? And um, everyone had to get off in quite a hurry and there was a bit of a fire. And Wow. I think everyone was all right, but it ended ended quite badly. What what could have resulted in this... Jumbo having landed and then needing to get up. It can be all sorts of things. Something that hadn't cleared the runway. It can either be something on the runway that's not cleared. Somebody just drives onto the runway at the last minute and then traffic will say, oh, traffic go around. Mm. Or they could be not happy with the approach themselves. And you can. Yeah, can you, can you, you can, I mean, anyone can call it. Anyone can call it. And you can call it on most aircraft right until you've selected reverse thrust. So they'd probably had a bit of a shake. It might be very windy or something. Mm. It looks. Um, it looked very smooth. Um, but for some the... reason, they weren't happy with it, or they might have gone too long. And the, the yeah. other reason it why looked you quite might, long. Yeah, if you might go around is if, if, you, if you're landing too long, mm. then it's preferable to go around than try and stop in the remaining runway. So they might have said, oh, we're not going to make this. And even though you put the power on, there's still a, you've got inertia taking you down. So you, they might have started it at a reasonable altitude, but by the time it all took effect, they're on the ground. Right. There was the uh, another video which mm. which I sent you. I think it was an A three twenty one, possibly. That was in the gusty period we had a yeah. few months ago, wasn't it? Yes. yes. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, yeah, there was the most extraordinary approach. Yeah. Very high nose up attitude, mm. and comes down, hits the runway quite hard, mm. but seems to be very nose up, and then was... almost looks like a tail strike. Yeah, and, I think and it goes straight up again. It was a bizarre looking. Yeah, and it was again. It was just the winds, that, and and this is the problem with. Certainly, the smaller the aircraft, the more it's affected by wind. So the, the Airbus is a 
the the, the, the little Airbuses are, yeah. are more more prevalent to it. And it's just yeah, Gustin, you're trying to you're trying to fly a, a standard approach. Yeah. Um, but the wind is always fighting you, and it's again a steady wind isn't a problem. It's when it's gusting like yeah. it was then, and you set yourself up, and then it, you lose all your airspeed, and then you gain loads of airspeed, and you think oh, and that's almost the most most dangerous thing because then you say oh we're going too oh, fast right, yeah. or we're going too high, so you take the power off, then you lose all the um, all the wind and. You're then sinking, and I think they, they just found themselves in that, and they made the right decision to go around. Gosh. It looked messy. It does look, sometimes yeah. it, it doesn't always look as smooth no. as. I mean, yeah, I don't know you haven't I'm... seen one of my lads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you, think you have t- yet either. Have you? Can, can you do a tail strike in a C forty two? When we turned onto base leg, oh, talking about light yeah. aircraft, well, doesn't all, get he knows all the, all do, doesn't get any lighter than <laughs> an Icarus C forty two, and that's with the engine working. We turned onto base egg and it was basically the clouds had just come in halfway through my flying lesson and uh, suddenly there was huge thermal. So essentially you turn into base egg and you pull the power right back to idle and you put in one stage of flaps and generally you just start going down. Mm. But we were just going up. (laughs) (laughs) And like an up and up and up. And I was like, I don't get this. And and at that point, Jack took over and just did something called slipstreaming, which is like falling out of the sky, like really quickly. And Mm. then eventually we got down. So a bit of rudder. Yeah. So you're presenting the side of the aircraft to the airflow, which it doesn't make it want to fly at all. So you lose all your lift. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very good way of getting. Glider pilots use it a lot to um, to get down. Great stuff. Oh, great stuff. Yeah. Good, good chat. Good, uh, good answers, Jim. Well, should we get on to our main topic mm-hmm. of the day, the Wessex? Before we hear our <coughs> clip of our interview with Chris Parry, let's turn our attention to this episode's featured aircraft, the Westland Wessex. And who better to tell us about its history than Jez? Well, the answer to that is James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to read them. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read that quickly. <laughs> go on then, Jez. Off here you go. go. Westland, quick facts. Good luck. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoyed this uh, uh, past so, so the first we. paragraph. Uh, the Westland Wessex was a British-built turbine-powered development of the piston-engine-powered Sikorsky S58H34. It was developed and produced under licence by Westland Aircraft, later Westland Helicopters. The Wessex was the first large mass-produced helicopter designed around the use of a gas turbine engine. Early models were powered by a single quick-starting Napier Gazelle engine, while later builds used a pair of de Havilland and later Rolls-Royce Gnome engines. The Wessex was initially produced for the Royal Navy and later for the Royal Air Force. Uh, A limited number of civilian aircraft were also produced, as well as some for export sales. Uh, The Wessex operated as an anti-submarine warfare and utility helicopter, but is perhaps best recognised for its use as a search and rescue helicopter. In 1961, the first type to enter the operational service for the Royal Navy was the HAS-1, in an anti-submarine and air-sea rescue role. This was followed by the HAS-3 in 1967, with improved avionics and radar, more powerful engine, and an improved weapon system for its anti-submarine role. It could be equipped with a dipping sonar or be armed with depth charges or torpedoes, but not both due to weight loading limits. HS-1 continued in its search and rescue role with the fleet air arm. Now, the next stage in Wessex development was the utility HE-5, produced initially to meet the requirement for battlefield transportation, being ideal for moving Royal Marines off the decks of assault ships, for example. And the HU-5 also became one of the most capable versions for search and rescue. It was powered by twin Rolls-Royce Gnome engines 
providing double the power of the HAS-1 and with an additional range of 90 miles, it was able to cover larger search areas in more challenging conditions than its predecessor. In its Royal Navy role, the Wessex finished its distinguished career in 1998 to be replaced by the Sea King. And the RAF used the, uh, utilised the Wessex from 1962 in its HC2 troop carrier role, and I think that's what you've been doing. That's roughly, yep. yep. Uh, HAR2, search and rescue, and HCC4, which is VVIP transport configuration. Um, sorry about all the uh, initials. And two of those were built for the Queen's flight. The RAF had a duty to keep multiple Wessex helicopters on permanent standby to respond to emergencies anywhere within 40 miles of the British coastline. Its utility role made it ideally suited to moving troops and equipment in battlefield situations, and it had long-term deployments in Hong Kong and Northern Ireland, supporting security, transport and surveillance missions. The Wessex finished its service with the RAF in 2003. Around 382 Wessex helicopters were built in all variants, including the Wessex 60, a civilian version. Operators included Bristol helicopters who used the aircraft in support of the growing North Sea oil industry until they were withdrawn in 1982. And, uh, not surprisingly, perhaps the most well-known Wessex is the Fleet Air Arms HAS-3 version, XP-142 Humphrey. Um, as we know and will hear more about shortly, it was to play such an important role at the beginning of the Falklands conflict in the retaking of South Georgia at the Fortuna Glacier and disabling Argentide submarine the Santa Fe with depth charges. And there are your quick Wessex facts. Oh, well Very Good interesting. Pass. and Good stuff. James, so you flew which Wessex? The HC2. And, and you flew in that in Northern Ireland? Northern Ireland down in the UK, yeah. Wow. It was Doing a, what sort of... Well, taking troops around, around Northern Ireland, um, looking after... Uh, assisting, the as it was then, the Royal Ulster Conservatory, now the police service in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and they would always have... Twelve troops with every um, with every policeman, so he just used to yeah facilitate the the movement of troops around Northern Ireland from field to field and base to base. Yeah, I mean, was that a good gig? It was. It was an incredibly good gig as your first ever uh, squadron to be on because it was. Well, the Wessex it was it was an older aircraft, obviously, but it, it really get, got you to learn your your skill really well. And for example, it couldn't lift as much as, for example, Puma or Chinook, but you learned skills like taking half the troops to the top of a hill, coming back, getting the other half of the troops, taking them to the top of the hill, then putting them all on and flying down the hill to take off and, uh, and go somewhere else. I read somewhere it was a very good mountain helicopter. Yeah, it was very good in the mountains, very stable. Um, and you could, I mean, you could just chuck it around like a, like a toy. And it had a tail wheel as well so you could really hit and these lovely big oleos that you used to land on so you could hit the ground really quite hard and it would be very forgiving as i did a lot <laughs> uh, so i've got a, a deep affection for the aircraft it was as I say, my first proper um operational type uh, and it was amazing at what it did right up until the, the, the end it wasn't particularly fast it wasn't particularly good looking but it had a sort of ruggedness and yeah. how old were you when you First, uh, so I started. I probably on the squadron in. Uh, I'd have been about twenty-five when I started wow. flying. Right. Was this getting towards the end of the Essex, the Wessex? The Essex. That's all with white wheels. And, <laughs> sorry, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Was it? Yes, getting towards the end of the Wessex's uh, service life. Yeah, or? I think it, it finished in two thousand and six. Yeah, I finished on them in. Uh, 99. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Uh... And then was the Puma, which you then went mm -hmm. straight on to, yeah. was that very, very different or 
Because it, it so, was a similar role. So, similar, very, very, the, the, exactly the same role, really. Uh, more capable, obviously, could lift a lot more. It was m- more fragile, uh, the, you, the Puma, and you, you had to be a lot more one, careful. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yes. I did bend one, yeah. Um, but that wasn't because of its fragility. That was my stupidity. <laughs> uh, no, that was. So it was, it was more fragile. It was. You had to be uh, more careful with how you flew the Puma uh, because of. Uh, the way the engines were set up, etc., right. which has been changed now. Um, but it's yes, yeah, so it, it was the same role, but quite different aircraft. Yeah. And it, where are the engines in a Wessex? Are they in the nose? Yes. In which yeah. case, how does the what's the what's the rod that goes up and connects the engine to the rotor? The mast, the drive the shaft. That, yeah, yeah gearbox and drive shaft. Yeah. So does that come up through the? It cockpit? goes behind the under the cockpit and behind you. Right, okay. Um so you have a thing called a coupling gearbox on the yeah. Wessex which gets the thrust from the two engines and puts them together. Yeah. Which no other aircraft has. So either really? you don't need one or only the Wessex needed one, but it and it was a the way when you started one engine <clears throat> and then there was a specific um routine you had to do to get both engines online running that gearbox. And if you get it wrong, you trash the gearbox and it was about <laughs> £200,000 of damage just by pressing the levers in the wrong way. Um, so that was underneath you. And then the drive shaft then went up behind you up to the main rotor gearbox, which had a a feed-off for the tail yeah. and up to the main, main head. I always find it amazing when you go... An aircraft can still be the same aircraft... When it goes from one engine to two engines, mm. yeah, I mean yeah. that's 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 quite a fundamental fundamental it's difference. A fundamental change, yeah. 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 Uh, having done a little bit of research for our, our, our forthcoming pod, mm. the, the Gloucester Meteor was originally single engine, <laughs> and then became twin engine. Yeah. It was still the same aircraft. It yeah. looked totally yeah. different. And, uh, yeah, it is. It's quite. But I suppose the it, it's based on the on the, on the airframe etc. and the look of and the layout. But yeah, yeah. yeah to, to say a single engine Wessex doesn't make any sense to me because that's not a Wessex. No. But obviously those people who grew up on the single engine Wessex, so a twin engine Wessex isn't a Wessex, it's a new aircraft. So no. it's um Was it I mean, was it shaky in terms of vibration? No, was it, it? it was smooth as anything. It was, was probably it? smoother than the Puma. Goodness. Um it was a sol- yeah, big solid beast. It was really solid. And you knew that. But it was um yeah, it was older technology. It was certainly the previous generation to the Puma. Yeah. But there's still um, there's still quite a few kicking around. I made some notes earlier. There's fourteen in the just in the U- in the UK, I think so mm. there's 14 still on display. Uh, quite a few in storage, which mm. always intrigues me. Does that yeah, mean they're coming out? And then there's obviously the one airworthy one yeah. uh, at um, in charge at historic helicopters. Yeah, oh, is that where we're going? Are we going well, to try and flip? If James, yeah. they, they, they promised us a, a trip down, so we're yeah, going, it'd be brilliant. Yeah. We, we just need, it's a matter of getting us all together and to go down at the same time. Yeah, I think that the, they've got at least one on because they've certainly got another one in storage yeah. as well. So yeah. exciting times down there. Mm. I, I'd love to visit that. Yeah. It'd be and absolutely that, brilliant. And that it will be a pod in itself. Yeah. Well, shall we move on then and hear from mm-hmm. our guest, Chris Parry, who is a Royal Naval Observer on the Wessex, specifically, as Jez mentioned, Humphrey, the Wessex 3, operating from HM, HMS Antrim. Chris told us some truly remarkable tales of his time during the Falklands conflict, all of which you'll be able to hear in our full flaps edition. But here is a little taster, is him recalling their rescue of the SAS from the Fortuna Glacier in unimaginable conditions. We had a Force 11 come through that night. Um, Jesus. Which, if it were in the tropics, we'd be called a hurricane, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, 
the aircraft stayed out on deck, and we we thought the following day that the aircraft would be absolutely trashed, mm. um, but it wasn't. Um, and we had waves, you know, higher than the main mast at one Blimey. stage. Um, quite, <laughs> quite, quite entertaining. In fact, people were invited up onto the bridge to witness it uh, overnight because the captain thought everybody could tell their grandchildren about it. You <laughs> were so, um, so trying to keep morale up. And then, um, and then the following morning at breakfast, which was basically not at the table at all because you had to grip on the food and the, the drinks because it was so rough. <laughs> Cedric came in and said, we've got a bit of a problem. And um, we said, who do you mean by we? <laughs> uh, and he said, this is this is the problem. The guys are dying up on the glassy. We've got to go and get them. And we thought, oh, yippee. Great. <laughs> and and um, anyway, the aircraft was okay. We, we did a quick test, check, test flight, took the Wessex 5s with different pilots today, by the way, on the Wessex 5s. That was interesting. Yeah, oh, okay. Um, so Mike Tidney and Georgeson hadn't flown the previous day. Um, so that was the first time they'd seen the conditions. Um, once again, we had a few problems getting up on the glacier, the two Wessex fires following us. Um, the radar didn't help because it wasn't great over land. Um, <clears throat> all it did do was give me an indication from the previous day of where some of the big obstructions were. Yeah. Um, but I was trying to work that out on the chart uh, and also use my stopwatch on legs that, frankly, I wasn't confident about, but oh. the pilots believed me, so that was fine. <laughs> so, Chris, just to go back a little bit, sorry, just in the in the Wessex 3, where are you sitting as an observer? Are you up front or are you... Uh, you're, you're, you're sitting in the, in the, the dark in the back. Right. Yeah, so, it's um, you're sitting about, I suppose, eight feet in front of the where the tail pylon starts. Yeah. In the dark, you're behind the sonar and the radar and things like that. And but you're you you're on the lower part of the Wessex. And the pilot's upstairs on his own. Two of them. We two, always two flew pilots. as a four man crew. Right. Yeah. Okay. So two pilots. Uh, yeah, you needed those extra pair of eyes. You got the yeah, crewman in the in the sonar operator seat, but on this occasion he was sitting in an open door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, <laughs> totally up. I start. Um, yeah. And he said, it's getting really cold here, boss. I said, come on, come on. You've got a goon suit on. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, yeah, and so eventually, the long and the short of it was that similar conditions the previous day, we managed to get up to where the guys were. Uh, all three of us landed, um, and we emplaned the guys. Um, and Mike Tidd in one of the West Six Five said, I think I can see a gap. Will you let me go? <clears throat> and I must confess, I said to the boss, I said, you really, we don't want to do that, boss. You know, if he loses us, the last thing we want to do is be transiting down there in cloud and we don't know where another Wessex is. Mm. And you were basically responsible for them as the only radar for, for guiding them anyway, Chris. Is that it right? It wasn't really that, Rob. No. But the radar wasn't much help to tell okay. you the truth. What it was giving me was some indication of where we were on the ground. Yeah. relative to the features around. But it, it's not a terrain radar. It, no. It's designed for picking up submarine periscopes and things like that. Mm. Okay. It, it, very basic um, centimetric radar. I, yeah. I, I can't tell people how bad it was over land. Yeah. And the other problem is it, the radar sits behind the main gearbox. Mm. So you've got a 15-degree blind dark ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't actually see what you're running towards. Great design. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not designed. I was doing most of it on dead reckoning, navigation, and timings, to tell you the truth. Um, but the point was that if you've got an observer doing the navigation, the pilots are not having to worry about the housekeeping and the navigation and all the other stuff and the communications. So they just get on with flying the aircraft, whether it's in, in cloud or in anything else. The thing we had in 
one thing we had in the Wessex 3 that Wessex 5 didn't have was the auto hover that we had for hovering above the sonar when we were doing anti-submarine work. Yeah. So if you really, really got into trouble, you could bring it into a controlled hover where the aircraft itself would hold you steady. Yeah. Uh, and a number of times we, we were disorientated, so we just brought the thing into a hover and and just held it there. The only snag with that is, of course, with crevicing, the radolt thinks you're um, higher than you are and forces you down up to the glacier. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so there's some interesting uh, ergonomics there. But, but the fact of life is, you know, I'd like to think that the fact we had an observer <clears throat> meant the pilots didn't have to do all their own worrying, whereas I think Ian, Ian Georgeson and Mike Tidd did have to do that. Yeah. Anyway, M- Mike Tidd uh, was given permission to take off, and within about, I suppose, 30 seconds of transitioning, he just totally lost um, orientation, went straight into a snow squall. Uh, they they say in all the secondary books it was white out. It wasn't white out. It wasn't recirculating snow. It, it was a fairly blinding snowstorm, um, and uh, and he basically stoofed in on his side. And we thought, oh no, here we go. And so the other Wessex Five and ourselves, we we taxied over uh, to the aircraft, expecting there to be some serious casualties. Uh, as it happened, uh, they all came out of it, cut some bruises only, I think. Um, and we divided essentially the crew and 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 the uh, SAS guys between us, and we were quite heavy for us. Um, Ian obviously had took a few more, and we started off down the glacier, um, and we said to Ian, you know, make sure you don't lose sight of us, you know, as we go down. But we're in and out of cloud uh, snowstorms. Um, there's one occasion where we fled right in front of a, a mountain that we just couldn't see. The, the big problem was we had to do a sort of zigzag up through the mountains. It wasn't a straight ascent. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit challenging. Um, and we got to the glacier edge just before we got into Fort, Fortuna Bay. And Stuart was looking at the Wessex Five in his mirror. And he said he stooped in. Um, and... Um, Sure enough, what had happened is that Ian had been so concentrating on our uh, our, our tail light, I think, um, is what he said afterwards, that he didn't notice actually the white of a ridge actually was was sort of um, merging with the sort of snow and the cloud in front of him. We we had gone over the ridge uh, higher actually. Uh, he came in a bit lower and, and struck the ridge, oh. and 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 again crashed. Now, now, Ian, at that point, my flight commander said, right, we've got to go around and get him. I said, boss, we can't. We're heavy. And frankly, you know, we've got to get back to the ship and and get these guys who are pretty shocked off, off, off the ship. Off to the ship. Um, so we went back to the ship, um, refueled, came back with medical supplies, blankets, tried to raise them, actually, on, on, ra- on radio, nothing. Um, and the weather was really, really bad, um, as bad as it had been. So we went back to the ship, and this is about probably about one o'clock, um, and the weather didn't really get any better until about half past four. When, when I say better, it better than it was, mm. and we then came up with this plan that what we would do is we risk icing and go high this time above whatever was going on mm. to five thousand feet and uh, look down. And it was the last sortie, really, before sunset. And we think they might have been in trouble if they'd stayed. 
So we took the aircraft up to um, 5,000 feet above the glacier. Um, and um, I can tell you the whole of the front of the aircraft was iced. Even the pitot tube was iced. Wow. Um, and um, so, so from what I remember from the Wessex, it was actually quite, it generally was quite robust against icing, although it had no anti-icing features. If you went through a bit of ice, it was generally okay. But Yeah, that sounds what, what was concerning us, to tell you the truth, was um, the, the ice that was breaking off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which was, um, yeah, uh, to see that flying past past the window was something that the air crewman wasn't really happy with. Uh, <laughs> And I said, but you can't catch any. Um, it's, um, but anyway, so, but bizarrely, we got up on top and we looked down through a gap and we could see a, an orange light, life raft. Right. Um, and sure enough, it was the guys, they put a life raft up to keep themselves warm, of course, on the glacier. And we went down and it was classic, yeah, sucker's gap. Because as, as, as soon as we went through the gap, of course, it closed up. And um, uh, so we sort of paused at about, it must have been about 800 feet above the glacier. And um, what we did was we wound down in 50 feet steps on the flight control system, mm -hmm. um, just hoping that we wouldn't smash into the glacier. But anyway, it cleared uh, at about 200 feet above the glacier and, and we landed. Um, and uh, the SAS guys were okay, so were the crew, but the, you know there were, there were 16 of them. so. Um, that basically makes us a ton overweight. Yeah. Um, and we piled everybody in the back. We had to take their weapons off them. Um, the guys wanted to take their armor lights. We let them take their armor lights because they had them in Northern Ireland, but everything else had to stay. Yeah. And some of them were quite resistant. And, and Fitz said, look, this is the last train down the mountain. You know, if you don't catch this one, you're not making it. So they left their stuff. And we had a bit of a problem because we couldn't lift. Yeah. We were so heavy. Um, and in the end, we had to wait for an 80-knot gust of wind. <laughs> um, oh and we got a fairly strong 70-80 knot, and, and we staggered into the air. I mean, <clears throat> I've never heard a gearbox over talking, but it certainly was. Yeah. Um, we got airborne, a uh, bit of a struggle to get down through the mountains again, uh, obviously, uh, but got out to uh, sea, happy, happy, and then... We, we then realized that we probably wouldn't be able to hover alongside the ship. Mm. <laughs> so, because normally what you do is you hover alongside the ship and move over, land on, oh. lashings, to your medals. But it, um, <laughs> uh, it was going to have to be a different plan. So we got the ship to get on a course that gave us a green 3-0 wind, which is basically 30 degrees on the starboard bow. And we were going to do an offset approach straight in. So we had to basically come in and, and do a controlled, almost a running landing. Yeah. Because if you'd done it with brakes on, you'd have just tipped over. Mm. Uh, and basically th there was a silent understanding that if we messed it up, we'd go over the side uh, on the starboard side rather than smash into the ship. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did. We, um, we came in low and Ian beautifully brought it in, controlled crash, undercarriage, very robust, as he said. Um, and, we, we were static, and we got the lashings on, and that was it. How much room do you think you had across the ship to, to land, to do the running landing in? Uh, well, we put it on port side, uh, 12 feet. Oh, <laughs> and presumably that deck was moving up and down a bit as well, if the weather conditions were that bad. Yeah, 
Don't want to make it too easy for pilots. No. <laughs> Chris Parry there with the most extraordinary story that actually, Jez, you first told us about in a podcast of audacious aviation events, didn't you? And, and you I told did. the story brilliantly. Well, thank you. It's almost a great... accurate. <laughs> 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 in fact. It was a brilliant story then. I mean, it was an incredible... I mean, it was a bit of a disaster militarily Yeah. Um, in terms of the SAS's uh, failed attempt to get across the glacier. But yeah. in terms of the rescue by the, uh, Parry and the, the three ultimately won Wessex. Yes. It was incredible. Absolutely amazing. And he tells it so brilliantly as if, you know, as if it were only yesterday. As if I, I didn't mean, it. Yes, if you would have been there. But I mean, think how different that story could have been if two Wessexes yeah, yeah. had gone down, oh, you know, man. why not the third? Mm. And the other two were the twin engine. And, mm. And the point that I don't think Chris made there was that the, the but you did is that the engine on the Wessex, the old Napier, was incredibly unreliable. Mm. And oh, extraordinary story. And, yeah. and the other story, he, t- he tells many stories, but the other well-known story he tells is about actually firing the first shots of the conflict when they hit the Santa Fe, the Argentine submarine, George, also yeah. off St. Georgia. I, it, it, the full flaps version is just going to be an incredible listen mm-hmm. for everybody. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about the next part because this is where we normally <laughs> celebrate, all of us, <laughs> going into the top landing gear quiz. <laughs> The problem is that because it's a Wessex special, I I thought, let's offer this to James as the mm. quiz master. It was mm. his aircraft. He knows more about the Wessex than anybody, apparently. So <laughs> let's give him the quiz. I, I'm, I'm already regretting well, my decision. It, just, it, it can't get any worse. That's the... Oh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> uncalled for. I mean, you know, someone here has been a professional quiz host. Well, I've heard that. <laughs> Has been. I wasn't um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, what I want to know is, I mean, it usually takes me weeks just to craft a single question. Yep. How long has it taken you to prepare your Wessex 14 quiz? 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all from my own knowledge, so most of it's not right. No, uh, I will no. need a pen, though. Can well, I borrow one of your pens? I, I came <laughs> with a question, but no one said you You'll need a pen. Are you going to give him a pen to keep the scores? You'll see the Are you giving him the bell? Well, do you want... That as well? No. I mean, no. I don't That's need a bell. That's bell. Okay, I've got the bell. Show us that we moved on to the next question. Still, still got the yeah, tagger on it. Take this back. Still. <laughs> I've still got the tag on. Yes, quite right. Right, so I'm going to have to write yeah. down your names. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Well, That's a bit of a taxi one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Roy, Jez and Rob now. Uh, how yeah, do you do? Time Rob. Wow. Wow. I'm quite I'm quite I'm, I, I, know, I can see <laughs> your episodes. <laughs> So excited! For the this. two things that worry me: my mm. performance mm. and James's performance. Because exactly. I don't want him to be <laughs> awful, but I don't want him to be better than me. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. um, are you ready? Do you, hang on. We, well, so we're going to need some buzzers first. Oh, good. He's, he's reading this off a script, um, yeah. everybody. So, um, your first ever buzzer, Rob? Yes. Well, what have you thank you. I'm very excited about this. I thought I'd follow in my brother's footsteps and bring not just one buzzer. But a choice, a selection of buzzers, just to elongate this, make it interminable. <laughs> and because it's probably the only time I'll ever have a chance to do this. So my first one um, I thought I'd go with is uh, is this one. These yeah. are all things that are very special to me, obviously. I think that's perfect. Do you like, like that? My buzzer <laughs> is... <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does anyone know what this is? It, um, it's the... 
coronation of King Wessex. Of the, it's a lovely way. idea. No. no. Beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. I tell you what it is. It's God. called copyright infringement if we go on any longer. It is. It is, of course. And we're not paying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, of course, Negaraku, the Malaysian national anthem. Yes. My country. Yeah. So what does so, that have to do with the Wessex? It's a buzzer. <laughs> Okay. Does it have to be pertinent to that, the subject? If you've not fo- been following this quiz for the last two years... <laughs> I've never understood your buzzer. OK, well, my other buzzer is an air aviation okay. buzzer. It's nothing to do with the Wessex. Sorry, it's this. Any, any idea which aircraft this is? Concorde winding down. Not Concorde. Thunderbird 2. Doesn't it sound like Thunderbird 2? I think they used these engines for Thunderbird 2. Uh, that was a VC-10. Yeah. Um, but the one I'm actually going to go for is... Those of you uh, still uh, with us, Rob is just is, his buzzer. Is, well, I've got to make the most of it. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> and, we've been going for two years. <laughs> and I'm, but my buzzer is this. Magnificent, man. Okay. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. No, I knew that would be coming up. <laughs> I knew that would come up. Right. Okay. Roy, Roy, yours. Okay, for mine, because it's uh, about helicopters, mm. this is the best helicopter theme tune ever. Airwolf. 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 <laughs> Airwolf. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I think like Airwolf. Okay. Jeremy. And, and, well, I was quite pleased I found this. See if you recognise this voice. Oh, I'll press pray. And oh, I mean, this is, it's, it's become tradition, hasn't it, really? Um, you'd look, you'd open up the transmission deck, you'd look inside there for the hydraulics, you'd see if any telltale signs of leaks... There's also some um, little poppers that used to pop out. Oh, is it? That is your mate Faz doing a walk around on some (laughs) pilot's video that I found of a Wessex (laughs) checking the hydraulic oil. And if I'm not mistaken, and now I'm doubting myself, was it not Faz who taxied past you to Lancaster when you were checking the... No, it was... um, Oh, was that Dave? That was Dave Thomas. Thomas. I did wonder if it was, yeah. Nonetheless, yes. Faz does follow the Lancaster, mm. and you didn't. Oh. So that is Faz uh, doing a, a walk around in a Wessex. All excellent buzzers. Can is I it... apologise? I didn't realise it had to be pertinent to the subject. Oh, of the have you got another like, one? Like... <laughs> in that case, I have four more. <laughs> in the same, <laughs> in the same way, I didn't realise the end of the top landing gear theme was uh, the undercarriage <laughs> retracting. I'm surprised uh, you haven't... Well, Conned on to the whole thing of why we have the buzzers that we have. Well, I'm usually so immersed in my quizzing performance yeah. uh, <laughs> that I haven't really... Anyway. Should we go with it? Uh, yes, let's go with it. Please. Okay. Right. Jesus right, James. I couldn't find a lot of aviation-related ones, so they're sort of off the topic a bit. Okay. <laughs> but bear with what? Me. What? Right. Are you ready? Well done. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, got, got the bell. Good luck, Jim. The good Westland luck. Wessex yeah. is named after a historical area of the country once called Wessex. But when did Wessex finally cease to be an official political area? Oh, my word. Okay, I just got jazz on that one. Sorry. (laughs) It's difficult, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> easy as it looks. The yeah. <laughs> and there's you moaning every time it happens to me. Oh, you'll delete it in a minute, with any luck. Jess. Uh, 1472. Incorrect. Uh, Rob, you were next, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it around the time of the Doomsday Book? Well, give um, me a year. We're at 10. Uh, when was the Doomsday Book? 10, 10, well, let's say 1080 ish. 1070. Oh, Roy is closest. It was, was it 1066. Oh, wait a minute. Why didn't I just say 1066? <laughs> yeah. One point for Roy. Oh, I'm annoyed with myself. 
Uh, no, hang on. Is it one point for or half a point for Roy for being wrong but near? No, just one. But we don't do half yeah. points. Oh, yeah. what did he say? What date did you say? Right? Ten seventy. He was four years out. I think that's pretty close. I just a... went under you. I got the right decade. Yes. Oh no, I said ten eighties. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's not argue about every point. We generally don't oh. bicker about whether it was right or wrong. We just get on with it. Oh, do we? Yeah. Those of us have been doing it for a while. <laughs> 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 He's much better than Roy. Isn't he? <laughs> Have you written down the score? Yes. Well done. Roy has a point. Good. Yeah. Good. The Wessex helicopter, as stated in the quick facts, is based on the Sikorsky H34 S58 helicopter. Hmm. What was the name of this helicopter? I've read this today. I've read it several times today. I haven't read this at all. Point <laughs> uh, <laughs> for Rob. <laughs> uh, uh, have I written in my fact? Um, okay. Yeah. Rob. Um, the Iroquois. Very close. Oh, I knew it would be close. But incorrect. You were on the right lines with the yeah. type of word. Yeah. One with letters in. But I know the Iroquois actually is the bell 212, mm. I think. Um so why did I say Anybody? that? I don't know. No, I have no idea. It was the Choctaw. Bellness. Um, now, the uh, RAF Wessex was used um, by a number of different countries in, in addition to the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, name at least three countries that the oh, three. Wessex was exported to. Rob. Brunei. Yes. Australia. Yes. <coughs> I'm going to have to hurry you. <laughs> Argentina. Incorrect. Oh, don't know anything. Brunei. Yes. <laughs> Australia. India. Incorrect. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, Brunei. Yes. Australia. Yes. <laughs> Iraq. Correct. Point for Jeff. Any points at all for getting two out of three? No, it and was, said, it, was, but, it was three. It was right. three. Can I just say no, the, I the, got the two yes. and then gave yeah, them well, those did, two. They yeah. either, jumped anyway. onto that those bandwagon and then he just added first. one your country. Yeah. <laughs> you could have had Australia, Brunei, Ghana, Iraq, Oman and Uruguay. Those are the militaries that use them all. Didn't mention those, did you? No. Right. Are you ready? Well, on yeah, the fingers I, on the yeah. bottom. I'm still what, hurting. What are the scores on the door? So far? Uh, one, one, zero at the moment. Oh, Rob's got nothing. Nothing. That's yeah. extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> in ninety, uh, in 1972, yeah. uh, 103 Squadron yeah. uh, was based at air, uh, an Air Force base in Tenga. Yes. In what country is Tenga? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's in, it's in Singapore. Correct! Oh, <laughs> you, you saw around my horror. <laughs> what you were trying to do there. Yeah. Which, of course, good was, this, was once part of Malaya. It was a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> Let's just make that absolutely clear. Yeah. Okay. Um, in what film did the Western Wessex appear <laughs> in an, att <laughs> an attempt to look like S58s? Um, you'd look, you'd open up the transmission deck. Yes. Full metal jacket. Correct. Oh, well done. Excellent. God. Um, at the Farnborough Air Show yes. in 1988, yes. a search and rescue Wessex performed a display mm. role demonstration. Yeah. But the markings had been tampered with. Oh, yes. What word had been changed and how it had been, how it had been changed? 
To, uh, a word on the... On the aircraft. On the aircraft. Mm. Has been basically changed with black bodge tape. Right. <laughs> Rob. Was it... Well, was the word that had been tampered with part of the wording of Royal Air Force? No. Right. So it was RAF? <laughs> no. SAR? No. Rescue? Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> right. And the word it had been changed to is what you want to know. Well, how did, how did they, they change the word? With some tape, some yes. bodge tape. Into He's what told word? us all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said how? Into what? What did they... Mm. Mm. Rescue. Mm. Was it interminable? <laughs> <laughs> In perpetuity. That's <laughs> what I meant to say. Was it something to do with the C and then the U <laughs> with the rescue? No, 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 no it wasn't okay, rude. good. Okay, good. Good. Like, that wouldn't, right. wouldn't wash on this show. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to show you. Here is a picture of the. Um, the, uh, yeah, the Navy. Oh, lovely. We're got, looking at a gorgeous away. picture of a yeah. yellow. A six, and they'd spent. That changed the rescue oh. to be spelt with a Q. Why? Uh, they thought it was funny. <laughs> I think in the day, this sort of thing passed as comedy back in 1988. <laughs> and it was purely rescue well, had well, been well. Um, changed to rescue. They'd also put a duck, I believe, somewhere on the nose. Those okay. crazy um, guys. They were crazy yeah. back in those days. God, RF yeah. Wessex pilots, eh? <laughs> hey? um, that's a Wessex painted to look like a Choctaw. Ah, in, um, yeah. You better, these, you better put these up on the socials, yeah. otherwise, yeah, yeah. it's completely yeah. meaningless. Yeah. As right, it is to uh, us. The scores yeah. remain just, just in the lead. Um, now, Justin, I'm now going to say these, these are questions that were asked of me by uh, training captains on the Wessex who had been on there for quite a long time and they'd got to know everything about the Wessex. And if you can answer any of these questions, I'll double points. Okay. Can I just check? Is the turnabout theme going on under this? Because I'm not <laughs> sure I'm happy for that. It might be the Airwolf theme because it's not getting used a lot. <laughs> Fair attention. Uh, which parts of the Wessex are made of wood? Um, you look, you open up the transmission deck. Look. Jeremy. The rotor blades. Incorrect. <laughs> the seats in the back. I was going to say Incorrect, seats. no. Yeah. Um... Oh, God, he's slow. Is that... Okay. <laughs> just, just that, that pause while we're waiting for Rob to press his button. <laughs> the, the pilot seats? Still no, no. Mm. I would have probably given it on the seats thing if you had said pilot seats. Oh, okay. But well, it, in no, that case... Does it have, like, a, a nice walnut dash? Oh, it is God. walnut. <laughs> is it walnut? Ah. And it's the collective <clears throat> handles. No. No, nice bit of knurling. Oh, um, no walnut handles on the... Collective levers. Oh, that's oh, the one wow. that makes you go up and down, is it? That is one that makes you go up and down. Oh, isn't that lovely? On a similar vein, which part of the Wessex were edible? <laughs> <laughs> well, you would know. Uh, <laughs> edible. Uh, uh, the, the upper thigh. Rob. The pilot seats. Still no, no. <laughs> You've got to think about the pilot seats. <laughs> They've got to come into it somewhere. Uh, uh, which parts? There's a, there are two parts of the Wessex. They are the same part, but they're on... 
one of the left. Are they the right. deliberately edible oh. so that if you do crash no, in a, in a remote to location, be edible? I mean, you could use them, but it wouldn't keep you going for long. Window? No, it's gone very quiet. Mm. No, no, it's the wheels. It's not the wheels. No, it's the uh, the slip balls. Pardon? The turn and slip oh. indicator yeah. has two floating balls in it, which are made of cooking fat. What are they? And that was a. Uh, I mean, you've got to know. You've you got to be really hungry. You've got to be really hungry. And this is the final one. Glass, one yeah. I'm not expecting any of you to get. Is this yeah. the, final like, question yeah, the, the final question? Like the last three. But oh, yeah. what I'm going to make this special <laughs> yeah. is I won't tell you the answer, oh. and we want a reader to come in with this answer. Oh, I love Do you this. mean a listener? And a listener. Yeah. Readers, listeners are all the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if they get it right, we can sort out some prize to send to them. Maybe. Oh, like we've know. done all the other times. Yeah, all the other times. I did take it to them a, out. Yeah. Tickets yeah. to a scouting for girls. Give yeah. Second prize, two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Booby prize, uh, three tickets. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, and so this is more more to the uh, listeners than, okay. than the. So do you actually not want to answer? If you, it? if you can answer it, I will give you. Well, instantly You'll get tickets to a scouting for girls. Thank you, mate. Always And this is. Right. And this was All right, I swear, enough sarcasm there. <laughs> I am here. You can never do it, you know. <laughs> and this was actually asked me by a, a, a training captain um, on a, a, a check. Does you have a? There's a standby compass, which if the main compasses fail, uses standby magnetic compass mm. that sits in a fluid and rotates. Yes. Or if your iPad runs out of battery. Or if your iPad <laughs> runs out of battery. I don't think they've been invented when um, it changes on the wetting. <laughs> so. From what two elements are the bearings? In that compass, mate. <laughs> Rob. Titanium. Incorrect. One. No, it's not. No. No. And the other is gold. They're very close, but both wrong. But very good thinking. Thank you. Um, you'd look, you'd open up the transmission deck. Yes. Boron and silver. Ooh, no. Right. <laughs> it's a terrible theme, isn't it? <laughs> Unicorn horn. <gasps> and? I don't know. Uh, Dodo's egg. <laughs> chewing gum. Oh, sorry. No. Both wrong, I'm afraid. <laughs> so we're going to leave that one there. Okay. Oh, Hang it oh, okay. in suspense, and we'll expect like one of our... Very good. It'll be fast, listeners. won't it? Fast It'll be fast, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, let's see if they can win a prize. Okay. Will you tell us after the programme's finished? I will. Oh, I'll tell you <laughs> How exciting. exciting. So that's it. I don't know how to end now. I'm going well, to well, with, 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 with the scores. scores. Yeah, oh, the scores. Yeah. You say something funny right. like the yeah. scores on the door. Okay. It's, very, very it's been catchy. very It's very tight. Yeah. Good. And Good. the scores on the doors. <laughs> uh, in joint second place, yeah. the two R's, uh, Roy oh, and Rob, yeah. with one point. Right. Oh, but wow. streaking ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, not literally. No. Uh, is. <laughs> Jeremy John with two points. Well, there you go. Well done, well done, well done Jez. Jez. I well didn't expect done. to win that. No. no. Or no. any other. Very no. good. Well, any, yeah. any thoughts on how he did as a quizmaster? <laughs> I think he summed it up. He just knocked over a bottle of there, yeah. over Roy's typewriter. <laughs> That's right. Most of yeah. it's gone down the expensive books. And a set of drumsticks. <laughs> um, I, th I thought that was, it was interesting, yeah. Yeah. It's not as easy as it looks. No. Mm. <laughs> well, sounds. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, if we were to score out of ten, James's performance and his questions, <laughs> uh, where do we really want to do this? I think, I think, do we? The fact well, that I Rob think, didn't win the quiz, he needs mm, some sort of something. something. Yeah. He How of, did you find hosting, James? Uh, obviously, it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> I think that's all. That's all we can yeah. leave it there. If he's yeah. that magnanimous, yeah. yeah. 
And you aren't. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, would you would you like that to carry on? Would you like it to be James asking the questions in the future? No, of course. Would you not. like? No, no. There's no one quite <laughs> Just, like you. Yeah. No, 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 good, no, marvelous, exactly. James. Well done. All Great apart, hosting. Yeah. Lovely. Really good one-off. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely superb. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good, good. You've really, like someone's stolen your teddy bear, isn't it? <laughs> I, well, to be fair, I did offer it to you. I've, I've never, I've, honestly, it's been a horrible couple of weeks building up to this. <laughs> you've had, and, you've had loads of time to do other things, haven't you? <laughs> yes. To be honest, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I, you know, anyway, lovely. Jim, well done. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, back to your contestant role next mm. week. <laughs> now then, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Remember, you'll be able to hear our full-length interview with Chris Parry in our Full Flaps edition, which drops a week after this episode first airs. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might be there right now. And if you'd like to listen to any or all of our podcasts so far, you'll find them on our website, toplandingyear.com. You might find them on our website. James, have you updated the website yet? Are they all on there? If it pumps with the microphone, <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been I'm, 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 busy doing that quiz. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very time consuming yeah. doing that quiz. Yeah, <laughs> how, how many minutes that takes out of your day? How many minutes that takes out of your day? <laughs> yeah, okay. So they should be on the website, but wherever you normally get your podcasts, you'll find them all there. And it would be great if you could subscribe to our podcast too. It's completely free. And tell your friends. Yep. Well, quite, yeah. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more aviation history. In this case, that changed the world. A few weeks ago, James and I interviewed the son of Sir Frank Whittle, inventor of the jet engine. Ian Whittle himself, a pilot, regaled us with tales of both his father's and his own extraordinary lives and achievements in aviation. So that'll be a cracker. Do let us know anything or anyone you'd like us to feature, and we'll try and make it happen. And remember, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Top Landing Gear. And do email us with your questions for our expert, James Cartner. That's info at toplandinggear.com, info at toplandinggear.com. Two Gs. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do recommend us to your friends and family. Although, to be honest, if you're still listening, then maybe you don't have too many friends. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just tell anyone. Um, and leave a review, especially if you've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. This is Top Landing Gear.